Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Civil War Regiments podcast. I'm Stephen Lunsford, and we're doing something different tonight. Um, a little more laid back uh, than what we've had, but um, really uh, just talking regiments tonight or talking anything that we feel like talking about tonight. And uh, I'm joined by um, an impromptu guest, you could say, uh, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Alcano from a uh, uh, we're both over here in uh, near Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, I met Ryan at church randomly, and and uh, turned out we had been to a lot of the same reenactments and events, <laughs> yep. but we haven't really crossed paths at any of these events. But uh, I think we've also been to some that you went to some I didn't go to, and I went to some you didn't go yes. to. But yeah. but uh, but anyway, it was a good chance to have an in person guest and and just have a discussion about all things regiments, and you know. Um, Actually, I forgot to mention uh, one. I had an idea to have you on way back when I saw you had done like a random recording on Facebook on like the Gettysburg oh, yeah. anniversary, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like a little campfire thing. <laughs> and but like part of me felt like, man, that guy needs somebody to talk to. And I was like, oh, you know what? I should, I should have him on the show. We just, I, uh, I feel the same way sometimes. I get in my head and I'm like, man, I wish I. I wish I had somebody to talk to besides yeah. myself, you know? <laughs> no, and I bore my coworkers sometimes with stories and I come across a good account and like, I got to tell somebody and then be like, ah, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So it really is uh, it's a hard life, the life of a history buff sometimes. It always uh, is. Uh, that's why I love going to Gettysburg probably because you go up mm -hmm. to Gettysburg and everybody's talking about it on every street corner and it feels like, or if they're not talking about it, they won't look at you funny if you wear yeah. your hat or yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they know what you're you there fit for. in up there, <laughs> and uh, um, you don't. I mean, that's the other thing too. Like, uh, I don't feel like we have many other. While we have plenty of Western battlefields, there's not as many places you know that you could just go downtown somewhere or near a battlefield, walk around, and everybody's going to be talking about it you know because yeah. i think in our area like especially if you go to some of the atlanta battlefields um everybody's like jogging or hiking there and mm -hmm. most of them don't even have a clue that there was a battle there yeah exactly so which is why we do the living histories that some of these places are really keep those reminders going so uh so i always enjoy that and uh um speaking of which um i'm excited uh to do the next living history at antietam mm-hmm and um, I know you couldn't make it. That was another one that we're not going to be able to. Oh, get I registered to. for it, of course. Uh, yeah. But yeah, as 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 it happens, life just kind of yeah. you know yeah. happens, and it you does. can't when you have five girls. That's home, right. Uh, you can't <laughs> you can't do every event that you want to do. So. No, no, and you just got to enjoy the ones you can do. And uh, I will enjoy the pictures and the videos, yeah. like I did with the first Minnesota. So. which um i was so glad so happy yeah. to be part of that and like i keep saying i barely made it because uh <laughs> it was a hot it was a hot mm. one and yeah. i i kept telling myself it's like i just want to make that charge yeah. <laughs> like i just like <laughs> you know inside you're just like you're ready to tap out it's time to tap out that's what you came you for you go. came and for i'm like charge. i came all this way yeah to charge hey at, and, uh, at missionary ridge that was all i was telling myself it was yeah. so cold that night yeah. i was like just yeah just make it to the charge, just make it to the yeah. charge. And yeah. then, you know, my buddy Cody had a seizure and we had to leave anyway. Right. So we missed it. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I, it, as, as miserable as it was, I still had fun when I was well, there. So. I mean, that's the thing too, about what we do. Um, 
it gives us a taste of what the actual guys did. And mm -hmm. a lot of reenactors are former uh, military. You know, I'm not. I'm just a history buff. Yeah. So those guys have comparisons. But for for a lot of us, doing these events is the one and only thing we can do to really grasp what it was like for the original cast. And I know we, we, we hated in the moment, but we appreciate it afterwards sometimes. Yeah, that's always like, the way uh, it is. <laughs> like, while we're there, I'm like, when are we leaving? When is it time to go home? And then, like, two days later, or on the drive home, it hits you, and then we're like, wow, we actually did that. Yeah. And then you tell stories, and, mm -hmm. and like, for me, like, uh, uh, Wahatchee, were you at Wahatchee? Um, no, no, I heard uh, all the stories about Wahatchee. So, I call that like a battle of the bulge in, in reenacting where <laughs> it's kind of, it's one of those things where if you were there, you have a bond with everyone else mm -hmm. who was there and stuck it out the whole time. Yep. So those of us, yeah, who, who survived it all, like I could run into anybody and then all of a sudden your best friends when you start talking about Wahatchee, where were you yeah. when you're at that event? So uh, it's a great, great little uh, conversation point there. But uh, um, well, what was the last event that you had done? So last event I did was Silent Machines. And I did make it. Yeah, that was a good. Yeah, one. that was that was uh, that was a good. One. So yeah, that's been over two years. Um, but a really great event. I mean, probably yeah. from an authenticity standpoint, um, immersion, whatever. Probably the best event that I have yet done. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the only, the only Liberty Rifles specific event that I've done. Okay. Um, but it was hot there. Uh, it was because that was June, like twenty nineteen. Well, it was supposed to be June, and then because of COVID, they moved it a couple of weeks. So yeah. they moved it from a pre Gettysburg event to post Gettysburg, and so then they were like, "All right, so since we're going, you know, mid July, drop all the knapsacks. Let's pare it, you know, parse it down a little bit more, make it more." And, and it was it was cool. I mean, it was really neat. I mean, that land, um, it's some. Was it part of a battlefield? Or was it no, it, it's well, it, it, there is a battlefield there, but it's not a battlefield that you got. Yeah. It was a private yeah. property, but it was a historic uh, yeah. home in Upperville. And it's just acres and acres and acres of this rolling terrain. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And they've been doing authentic events there for years. And um, the scenario was going to be, yeah, 12th U.S. regulars marching back through uh from gettysburg back into virginia and being harassed by mosby's cavalry that's right yeah. and so they had three or four guys on horseback yeah. that yeah. would just you know every now and then pop out bam bam and then you hear the you know, the long <laughs> roll and you gotta you know get up and, yeah but it was so beautiful it was gorgeous uh and um which i, I like i appreciate that sometimes where i know the liberty rifles and and then we got a conversation with them recently and they don't really specialize or care about doing like force and force battle events. Yeah. But when you have an event like that and you have just little reminders like that, like for me, like it does help if we're out there in the middle of nowhere doing an event like that, it does help knowing that there might be somebody out mm -hmm. there. Exactly. And it helps mentally. Like, it's kind of like, you know, if you're like, Oh, there's nobody out there. There's no, like, especially if you're like, Oh, I gotta be on picket all night, but there's <laughs> nobody there. Like it, it, I love when, that you do have that uncertainty about exactly. it because that's what they had, uh, the real guys. And so, uh, uh, but I always appreciate their events because I mean, even at Gettysburg, when you just, just see a full camp of like 200 guys and we had almost 262, if not more, mm -hmm. uh, the actual first Minnesota numbers. And 
but to see a full camp with all the canvas and a fully functioning full-size regiment that's what really gets me yeah. going i love that and and unfortunately um you know and i i go to mainstream events i go to authentic events but you just you know um you i love to get that idea of just how big a regiment would, would be and what the drill was like mm-hmm. and how they functioned how they marched together how they camped together and um so i always appreciate that because it gives me a visual and we're sitting in my library slash studio <laughs> and um i have a whole wall of their regimental histories and which i love i love collecting regimental histories mm-hmm. if anything but uh it just those events help to give me a visual and and uh it really does feel like you're there. I mean, we're never going to know quite exactly how it was, but these guys come really close. And so I always appreciate that. And so I can't wait in uh, just a few weeks. Uh, they're doing an event at the real farm at an- the Antietam uh, battlefield. It's, the property is actually owned by the American battlefield trust, mm-hmm. but it's very close to the actual national battlefield. And uh, so they will be doing events there portraying the Texas brigade on the actual anniversary. So just like Gettysburg, the event was July 2nd. This mm-hmm. is September 17th yep. in the cornfield or nearabouts. And and uh, I'm excited for that. So I love being able to say that I was part of these things because it is history. Yeah. And we're making history and the living history side of things. We're making our own history there. And so um, I can't wait. Yeah, the living, the living history is, I think, the, the, the if there is such a thing as honoring your ancestors you know that's the line that you've always been fed you know as a reenactor it's like oh i'm out here honoring my ancestors well when you go to a mainstream event and it's like you know yeah let's go play war for you know shoot some you know shoot some powder off that's my my buddy jake uh he was in my company at missionary ridge we were kind of making fun of the little uh what was the first scenario that day and I think it was supposed to be like Orchard Knob or something. And like oh, we yeah. fired a volley at yeah. you guys and then you kind of went off. And Jake was, I had never heard the term before, but he called it the hoot and shoot. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, well, that's what it is. But when you do a living history, I mean, you're yeah. you're not immersed, but you are on the battlefield. You're doing it for the public. You have presumably some authenticity standards that you're going to be following um there's something about that that's way more special and and i decided i decided in 2012 that that was where i wanted to move myself in the hobby because we went to the shiloh uh 150th oh were you part year. of the 15th iowa i was i was not the iowa yeah we were we were with uh landrum and those guys and they were doing six mississippi okay but at that event yeah you remember there were two competing yeah. mainstream events yeah yeah and so um everybody was doing 15th iowa the paddle wheelers which yeah. was really cool and it was great to see them but i was like yeah let's just do confederate because i had two buddies with me and they were like oh no i want to do confederate all right so fine yeah so we you know we did that and i remember um we got there that night slept got up before dawn and we line up you know and, and we've got you know, maybe a hundred guys, you know, it's, you know, three companies, pretty authentic, you know, a lot of guys in frocks and, you know, the, the knapsacks and the trappings. So you look like an early war army of Tennessee or, well, it wasn't army of Tennessee then, but, and, uh, and then, you know, there's a guy in a F-150 pulling a cannon that's getting stuck in the mud in front of us. And it went on for like an hour and a half before we marched off. 
And I just kind of, I'm like, really? I, I mean, it just, yeah. so, so we, we ducked out of there that night. Um, you know, and, and I, I kind of feel bad about doing that, but it's, it's a mainstream event. So it's like, man, I don't care. I, I was just kind of disgusted with the whole thing. Um, yeah. obviously not with, you know, the guys we were with, but with just the event in general. And the next morning in uniform, we kind of walked to the actual battlefield and it was just kind of like, this is, this is where we should be. And so then that September we did the 150 at the Antietam living history. We did six Wisconsin. Oh, and I was wow. with, uh, Will Eichler and yeah. Jeremy Bard and Scott Cummings and those guys. And we camped behind the Dunker church and did, did that. And it was just so much better. I mean, it was just this cool, I mean, you know, you're on the battlefield. Yeah, yeah. We, we did several walkthroughs from the Poffenberger farm through the Miller farm to the cornfield and, you know, stopping in formation, stopping. And then, okay, here's what happened here. You know, it's six thirty AM. We're going through the time exact, Yeah. you know, so the sun's peaking up over from the East and okay, this is what it would have felt like. This is what it would look like. You know, that, that's cool. Antietam's a really cool place. You know, there's something, there's something about the, well, it hasn't uh, changed much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean it's still, case. it's still just a, you know, a farming town, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's something about that. Uh, I think it's like the crickets. Yeah. I don't know what it is. There's something about the way it, it sounds and it feels at Antietam. that's different than any other battlefield I've ever been to. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's just, it's cool. So I'm very jealous of you guys getting to go and, <laughs> Cause I was so excited about that when it came yeah. out and then life happened and I was like, I'm not gonna be able to make it. So. I know you'll make it back out there. For yeah. I eventually. And, I uh, but I'm excited because I've only been anti once and it was on the way home from Gettysburg. Yeah. And this was maybe uh 2014 maybe. And mm -hmm. so it's been eight or nine years and um, yeah, we did like the quick driving tour. So like we mm -hmm. were there maybe an hour and a half tops. And I'm like taking pictures from my car window and yeah. stuff. And it was very rushed. And so I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm taking a couple extra days to go up there and just try to see as much of the actual battlefield as I can. You know, I love going to Harper's Ferry, seeing mm -hmm. that, and Burnside's Bridge, the cornfield, and yeah. Dunker Church. I want to be sure I get uh, to see every, I really want to see um, the Shepherdstown Ford area. Mm -hmm. And um, also, um, all those passes, you know, there's little markers at the different passes. That's right. And, um, the name escapes me. Um, well, the, all the South mountain passes, Fox's there's like gap, three, Turner's gap. Yes, yeah. there's three of them and only two of them have like a little preserved area kind of, but, um, I want to check all those out. Like yeah. I want to try to just do the whole campaign while I'm there. And, uh, so I always, that's what I do too. When I go battlefield trekking, um, I put a whole itinerary together mm -hmm. and I found that's the best way because if I just wing it and go and, and just see what I can see, I end up missing a lot. And, and there's some wonderful websites too, that help guiding with that. Like one of my favorites is uh, uh stone sentinels. Yes. Uh, yes absolutely. I think it's .com. And uh, they have, whoever put that together, did a great job mapping out all the monuments mm -hmm. and also just uh I drive and tour maps and they have everything uploaded there. So I used that before I go to any of the battlefields. Uh, they really specialize in Gettysburg, but I was able to find out a lot of other sites in Gettysburg or Chancellorsville or Fredericksburg just by looking at their website. Mm -hmm. Cause they pinpoint a lot of different sites like, Oh, there's this house or this wayside marker. And, and so uh, that helps. 
and uh, I'll tell you, um, Google Earth helped me a few times too. Yep. Uh, like, like I was when I went to Gettysburg, I was finishing up a lot of research and uh, photos for my book I'm working on currently, and and I wanted to be sure in the short time I was there, I was like, I have to go get these pictures and this mm -hmm. picture and that. And Gettysburg is tricky because there's so many different ways where they have all these one-way roads. Mm -hmm. And so you had to find out, okay, which road do I just pull over on and walk to? And where do I need to park my car? Or where do I need to, uh, um, or which road is worth going down or not? Like, you know, just trying to map out everything. And uh, it really worked out great. And so uh, I'm going to do that before we go to Antietam here in a few days. I'll be putting my itinerary together. But yeah. it's fun. And that's also just me. Like, I love being organized. Um and uh, that goes also probably back to, uh, um, you know, we could talk a little bit about our backstories, mm -hmm. but uh, but one thing that really got me, even as a kid, was, of course, the movies and, you know, Ken Burns and Gettysburg yeah. is what introduced me, but, or Johnny Shiloh, I always talk about Johnny Shiloh <laughs> from Disney, uh, like, that was, like, in the 60s, I think, yeah. and I, that was one of the first, like, Civil War shows I saw, and, uh, but, from the get-go the regiments i was drawn by the organization mm -hmm. of the army and um and i remember gettysburg when i saw that you know i thought the 20th maine was the only regiment in the sure. union yeah, army of course and <laughs> i remember um they're actually um i'm gonna pull them down because these two books right here these are children's books one is Battle of Gettysburg by Alden Carter, and the other one is Battle of Antietam by Zachary Kent. But these are the first two Civil War books I ever owned. And nice. I think they were made in maybe the 80s or 90s. But uh, just great, easy to read. But, like, the funny thing is I had come across a bunch of kiddie books about the Civil War that were very mm -hmm. sparse in details, but both of these little books they talked about certain regiments in the battle and they featured different stories and things. And so it planted the seed for me that there, there's a lot more detail in this. And sure. It wasn't long after I discovered those that um, behind you over there is the time life series. So yes. the, yeah, the, the silver the, war the silver, series, the silver books. <laughs> so I collected that whole series and those were so easy to read. Um, oh, time great. life made it very presentable, full of pictures, but then very, um, very explanatory uh, for all the different campaigns. So I collected that whole series at a young age and I just started reading all these stories and it was actually the volume on uh, Chancellorsville. Um, I think it's Fredericksburg and Chancellorsville yeah. in one volume. And there's an insert in there that shows a diagram of core badges. And I just stumbled across it and I was like, what is this? And <laughs> I started, I, I, and I was like, whoa, wait, all these guys wore like identification. And because I, I had noticed in World War II stuff, you know, like for the 101st Airborne, Screaming Eagles. And, sure. But like, I didn't realize, well, wait, so war soldiers did this too? And um, so I just started diving into that. And then, I, of course, I went back and I'm watching the movie Gettysburg and I'm like, oh, yeah, these guys are wearing mm -hmm. core badges. And, and so I started <laughs> getting fascinated. And so one of the first things I did actually, I have them here because I dug them out of the closet, but I have a bag here of little felt and uh, um, felt core badges my mom made when I was just a kid. Um, I was probably 13 or 14 and I made my mom 
uh, <laughs> make all these core batches for me in anticipation for oh, my yeah. first trip to Gettysburg. And uh, some of those are newer ones I threw in there, but but like she put Velcro on them so I could stick them on my gift shop Kepi. Sure. While we're yeah. walking around the battlefield, so when I'm 14 years old on my first trip to the battlefield of Gettysburg, <laughs> I'm wearing the right core badge for each part of the battlefield. That's yep. So like if I'm in the peach Great orchard, idea. I'm putting on like the third core badge, and when I went to Little Round Top, I put on the red red Maltese cross. Yep. And uh, I always I've shared this story before, but. I had my red Maltese cross on for what the 20th Maine would have worn on the spur of Little Round Top. And I'm walking up towards the top, the summit, and uh, I'm near the O'Rourke Monument for the mm-hmm. 140th New York. And they were part of the 2nd Division. Yeah. And there's this old reenactor up there. And I walk up and um, I'm showing off my little makeshift uniform. And I'm just happy to see a reenactor. And uh, he saw the badge on my hat and he said, hey, that's the 1st Division that the second division was up here and without skipping a beat, I just pulled off the red Maltese <laughs> cross, reached in my pocket and put a white Maltese cross on my hat. Yeah. And I was so proud of myself for a moment, but like he didn't seem to, to care one way or the other, but um, <laughs> I enjoy that moment. And, yeah. and so I just mean, even back then, like I cared about um, not every kid gets sucked into those details from the get go. And I think that's what makes me feel devoted to the subject of Civil War regiments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from an uh, early age, I wrote a little uh, um, home newsletter for me and a lot of my friends. It was called the, the Shot and Shell. And I would just, from my library, I would pull little stories and accounts I found. And it was like a two-page newsletter I would mail yeah. to friends. And then I made a magazine out of it that I just printed from my house. And then uh, that transgressive with uh, Facebook coming along, you know, I started doing articles online. And, uh, and so my first book that I made was really just a compilation of all that stuff. Yeah. So that book is some of the stuff I wrote recently, but some of it, the stuff I wrote when I was 15 years old. And I just wanted to kind of, it came, the idea came actually from my own family to kind of have, um, you know, a kind of a way to kind of remember all those things mm-hmm. that I did for all those years. And so that, that was really special. And, and then now with podcasting and yeah. then with uh, going to these living history events, I'm still living that dream of studying these regiments. And, um, and that's one goal I hope to do with this uh, Gettysburg project I'm working on where I'm doing a full um, volume, nine volume series on the army of Potomac in mm-hmm. Gettysburg. And so I'm doing yeah. literally like a, um, each unit is getting all, almost like four pages of attention. <laughs> so I'm pulling the firsthand accounts from each unit, facts for each unit, uh, bios of the commanders. Um, I'm making, I want to make the ultimate order of battles what I'm doing. Cause that's another thing. And many of these books, even as a kid, when I was collecting books, especially a battle study or a campaign study, I immediately went into the back of the book to see if they had an order of battle. Mm-hmm. That's how nerdy yep. I was. Yeah, I would do the same thing. And and if they didn't have an order of battle, I was like, well, this stinks. But of course, <laughs> I now now I appreciate them all. But back then, I was like, where's the order of battle? And then it got even better if I found an order of battle that had like numbers and losses. Oh, yeah. And that's, I, that's I couldn't best. believe it. The first one I ever came across like that was, uh, I think it was the Noah Trudeau Gettysburg where he had all the full statistics in the back. Yeah. And then Stephen Sears did that for a lot of his books. And so I started just, uh, or um, John Michael Priest did a lot for his yes. books. Yeah. And I collected all those because 
having the numbers too helps to tell the story um of the loss and and it gives you an idea too when you see how many men did this regiment have mm. how many men did they lose how many men were killed how many were wounded because uh that's another thing too like you can look at a study that shows you how many men were in a regiment how many men were lost but like okay let's just say this regiment went into battle with 500 men and they had 300 casualties and you're thinking oh my god you know because from an outside person when you hear casualty you think those are all, all guys that either died or mm -hmm. all guys that bled out all guys that got amputated like you're thinking just the worst possible thing but casualties also include deserters or uh, yeah. missing or captured yeah and so uh like for instance um i came across some books where i thought oh my gosh this regiment got decimated but when i looked into the nitty-gritty i was like 200 of the 300 ca casualties were captured yeah and then it kind of helps you understand a little more that like okay these guys weren't necessarily in the thickest of the fight they had a bad hand drawn but um i mean really when you go into the nitty-gritty details it helps you understand the story of these individual regiments and of course the first hand counts which for mm -hmm. me i'm at a point too where I, i'm at a point where i only like reading primary sources and the original sources and uh especially for the gettysburg project i went back and found so many online books and online accounts of just uh uh or, you know because it's hard for me to buy and collect uh, books that were published in the 1800s and you can find online versions and so I did a lot of that. There's so many universities and things that mm -hmm. upload PDFs or downloads of all these. And so I really appreciate that. And of course, one of my favorites is the official records there. Yeah. <laughs> so I have the official records for Gettysburg and that's the reprints, but that's a great one to have. Like if you have a favorite battle, whether it's Antietam or Gettysburg mm -hmm. or Shiloh, get the official record volumes for that campaign. And uh, it helps so much I, I love just uh uh flipping through those books because uh, you can see all the telegram transcripts too mm -hmm. and uh that's that's another funny thing idea i had was uh somebody should do like a facebook account or like a twitter feed where it's like halleck and mead's conversations of the gettysburg campaign because yeah. the funny thing is just so back and forth in real that, time uh, that would yeah, be fun that, that would because be awesome. you do have the timestamps on there yeah. <laughs> and uh <laughs> no it's great and uh so those are really worth having uh uh and you can find reprints probably on amazon and other online booksellers but those are great so that's a little more of some of my inspirations yeah for getting back and everything but but ryan um how did it all begin for you did it begin at an early age or where did you find I, that enthusiasm for history i think so um I can't say exactly when I want to say it was probably when I was four or five. I have no real memory of this, but I wrote a wrote illustrated a civil war book based on what I thought it was. And my thinking is I either saw a news story about a reenactment or I saw clips of glory because this would have been 1990, 1989. And I think I was interested in the uniforms, like the, you know, the dark blue uniforms and the, all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, so I, I, I think I had some kind of interest, but the, the one that I can say for sure is, um, and I don't know how Alabama schools are now. Uh, I went to private school, 
but I knew that for at least for some years in elementary school, you had to learn Alabama history at both public and private. My Alabama history class did a chapter on the Civil War. And it's the basic facts, you know, Alabama seceded in January of 61 and uh, Yancey was this fire eater guy. And then, oh, there was uh, all these battles that were fought in other places and Alabama sent these guys to fight. And then Wilson came down with his cavalry and Forrest did this in North Alabama. And then there was Mobile Bay and you had this big section about Mobile Bay. And then, you know, yeah. the war ends in 1865. Yeah, basic facts. Yeah. For some reason, it was just like, boom, I'm, I'm in, I'm, yeah. I'm committed. Yeah. I started learning more about it. My granddad, thankfully, was, uh, he, he was kind of one of those guys, it was like, you ever, if you ever heard the term um, a mile wide and an inch deep, kind of in terms of knowledge, yeah. he yeah. was like um, 10 miles wide and a foot deep. So he knew a good bit about almost every subject. He was a radiologist, so he yeah. was like, you sure. Know, and he knew a lot about the Civil War, and he kind of encouraged that. And I think I went to my our first my first battlefield. I think it was the spring of '95, uh, so it was when my my fourth grade year was ending, and we went to Ch Chattanooga. And probably the first technical battlefield was like Lookout Mountain or something. But yeah. I like to say it was Chickamauga because, and that's kind of been my fascination with Chickamauga ever since. Yeah, you know, and also the fact that it's just two hours down the road. So, yeah. Um, and it's an awesome battlefield. I mean, oh, yeah. it, it, it's, it's like the best, I think it's, to me, it's like the best preserved. The visitor center is awesome. Uh, obviously the guys that run it, you know, like Jim Ogden and Lee White, I mean, they, they're, they're doing God's yeah. work up there. You know, yeah. that, that place is yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. So it, it helps that it's kind of like a, it's almost like a Gettysburg, but it's not, you know, obviously, it's not as big and as well visited as Gettysburg, but it's so well it preserved. Has, uh, the it has comparable awesome. monuments. Yeah, it, it was a huge battle. It was casualties. It's the only battle in terms of numbers that compares to Gettysburg, really. So, um, so we went there, and then in August of 1995, we went on our first Eastern battlefields tour. We went to, we were going to start in Gettysburg and come down, but we ended up going to Appomattox, Petersburg. Manassas, Antietam, and then Gettysburg. And it was literally all in one trip, all in one trip. And wow. it was boom, 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 because I started school the day after we were at Gettysburg. So <laughs> we drove to Gettysburg wow. the night before, got a hotel, got up first thing in the morning, went to the, the old visitor center, you know, the, the temporary yeah, yeah, one, yeah. which, you know, by the way, is my favorite because they had all of the artifacts out. Yeah, they, you know, you it, the new visitor center is awesome, but they don't have all of the things like they did. I mean, some of those displays and the thing, it was just so cool. So we went there, hit the battlefield in like two hours, and then left at like twelve Eastern time. Got back at like three something in the morning <laughs> Central time, and then I got up and went to school the next day. Wow! And then we we then we did it right the next year. Went with my uncle and my aunt, and we did Gettysburg. Spent a couple of days there, Antietam. Manassas, Fredericksburg, Spotsylvania, yeah. which was cool. And um, yeah, I mean, from then on, it just kind of, oh, you yeah. know, it's like, yeah. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to learn about this. This is my thing now. And and it became a passion that um, I still have. And I think I always will have to, to an extent. Oh, yeah. so, I don't think you ever lose it once you no. get that interest. No, there's an interest on the macro level. 
And then there's the interest on like the micro level, kind of like the regiments and the companies and the first hand accounts, but it's all there because it's all fascinating. So, well, what was the first, what was your introduction to kind of diving into like the regimental level of things or what I would say probably, I mean, I don't know that I can say the movie Gettysburg necessarily, but um, glory, glory, definitely. Uh, But, you know, glory, I I didn't see for a couple of years for whatever reason. I just I didn't watch it. And um, I think it was I was into it a couple of years. And when I watched glory and, uh, you know, you see that first sequence as a, you know, a a 10 year old or an 11 year old. And you're just like, you've never seen anything like that before. And you're just like. Uh, okay i maybe i need to wait a little bit before i watch this again yeah but um yeah that it's it's since become my second favorite movie of all time my favorite civil war movie well they do a great job just telling the story of one regiment yeah in the war one regiment. And you kind of forget i mean yes the focus is on like the first african-american regiment but you, you, they show you all the typical soldier mm-hmm. life and it, you know, like, so they show you a lot of things that you don't get in Gettysburg or some of the full yeah. narrative battle narratives. And so it really helps, like it helps with uh, like the commissary subject. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even the yeah. pay, like the pay, tear it up, you know, but uh, yeah. um, it just gives you a good idea of how a regiment functions. So I really, yeah, that's cool. I would say um, probably more than anything was civil war journal. Oh yeah, yeah, and and not a lot of people talk about Civil War Journal anymore. That did was you, did the... you watch Civil War Combat? Oh, I did. Oh, yeah, yeah I definitely did. I watched that one, but but Civil War Journal was, in my opinion, the apex of Civil War shows, documentaries, whatever, because it had everything. He had every expert. Any any they they could go into specifics about not just a battle, but specifics about that battle. You know, I mean, they did like ten oh, yeah. shows on Gettysburg, and they hit different aspects of that battle every time yeah so yeah. they could get on the regimental level and the individuals and then, then they would explore things like you know trains at war or the prison camps yeah you know um yeah. you know just not just battles you know like what was the role of uh you know uh the medical you know women in, yeah. in the medical yeah. force or yeah. you know what it was just it was cool and of course, Danny Glover. You're not gonna not gonna beat Danny Glover as the host. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You're you're not gonna beat some of these guys like Brian you know, Pahanka. Brian Pahanka. Um, He's great. James he McPherson, great. Gary Gallagher in yeah. in so many of yeah. those. Uh, Bud Robertson. Um. You know, just I mean, go down the list. And oh, everyone. Yeah. There may have been special people for that episode, but they got the best ones, and yeah. they're just yeah. reeling it off. Yeah. They used. I think at the time it was what was it? The Southern guard, you know, it was the, the, the one that Rob Hodge was in yeah, the, the authentic, yeah, you know, yeah. and they use those, you know, you get 20 or 30 guys mm-hmm. in, you know, a, you know, somebody's backyard and you get a smoke machine and you know, Hey, it, you know, we feel yeah. in slow motion yeah. and you get yeah. the sense, this is what it really looked like. And yeah. And it was perfect. The music is great. Oh, you yeah. know, it's so much, you know, it's kind of corny, but it's really good. You know, it's, it's, it's awesome. You know, I, I yeah. I love civil war journal and I actually, I found a couple of years ago, I found it on Amazon prime, all two and a half seasons of it. And I, I, I got this history vaults. I think it's history vault subscription, $2. And that's the only reason I got it. So I really? could watch civil war journal again. Yeah. And I saw episodes I haven't seen since I was you know, 10 years old. Wow. 
and like I, I heard Iron Brigade, you know, never yeah, see that. Right. And that was such a cool, that was my introduction to the Iron Brigade. And it's like, whoa. And I remember that was one of the first Civil War journals I ever watched. Really? So from, immediately I'm like, second Wisconsin, sixth Wisconsin, seventh Indiana, yeah. uh, or 19th Indiana. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. cool. I yeah. got him now. So I know. I love it. <laughs> and, uh, and Civil War combat for me yeah. was an inspiration to get into reenacting because. Mm-hmm. They had that element. They kind of had more reenactment footage than Journal had, and yeah, and uh, uh, but they had some really like that's how I learned about uh, Cold Harbor was through Civil mm-hmm. War combat, and uh, that's one of my that was one of my favorite episodes because I'm also a huge uh, fan of the heavy artillery regiment, heavies, Civil yeah, War. yeah, and that's another project I want to do at some point. I want to do a whole project on the heavy artillery regiments because that that fascinated me, mm-hmm. and Civil War combat did a really detailed episode about the history of the heavies and their involvement in the cold Harbor uh, battle. And, uh, but no, I mean, that was the heyday of history channel too, yeah. because yeah, both those shows, I think they would come on back to back. I want to say too, because I think I would watch like one after the other. Yeah. Uh, but great. And, uh, gotta love it. And, uh, you know, I wish sometimes we had, and there are some venues out there. Like I know, um, um, I keep hearing the advertisements for it and I haven't looked too much into it yet, but there's the new, um, history fix. Mm-hmm. That's a, and Will Eichler helped to launch that, I think. And, yeah. uh, so that looks great. And it's kind of a compilation of a lot of old and new history videos yeah. and content. And, uh, so that's great uh, to have a platform for that. And, um, even now, like, <laughs> you know, we talk about like a, even a YouTube clip of the Liberty rifles event. Like, uh, I posted the, the Liberty Rifles of Gettysburg uh, video my, my sister had filmed. And, and like, like that, I got like 18,000 like yeah. views almost. And, but you can just tell a lot of comments and people that aren't reenactors. They're, they're people that either have never seen something like that before. And they're like, mm-hmm. what is this? <laughs> why, why is there a whole army here? Or yeah. like, <laughs> and, uh, but it really helps give a visual and, and, uh, for me, it, it was really something like even seeing the guys march past a monument mm-hmm. and it kind of helps you paint that picture of what the landscape would have looked like with soldiers on it. Yeah. And so for spectators, for people that are brand new, um, that's why it's so important to kind of do it right sometimes. And, and I know we can overwork ourselves sometimes because I know like for me, if I was going to lead a tour somewhere or I, I I'm going to like, overdo the details yeah, and like yeah. over prepare and you over prepare and then like your first question from the visitors or the tour tourists is going to be like so were the monuments actually here before yeah. battle? And, you know and so you kind of have to you know that's why for me sometimes uh i do my own projects to gear towards what i'm into and what my friends might be into yeah. but then you know, if you branch out like that, you do have to take things simple and, mm-hmm. and uh, backtrack a little bit and really explain. And, and you know, uh, one idea I had even uh, something to talk about tonight is um, everyone's always hearing me talk about regiments mm-hmm. and I'm interviewing people about regiments and I recreate regiments. I write about regiments. But what exactly is a regiment and mm-hmm. where did this army structure and organization begin and, and how is it? what is that structure? You know, you see, you go to a reenactment and you see all these guys, and you see the guys with different stripes and you see guys on horseback and what does it all mean? And so I find maybe something fun to talk about is, um, what army structure was during the civil war. 
And uh, mm-hmm. if you'd like to dive into anything like that, you're welcome to. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Because um, I know uh, uh, those of you listening, I know Ryan's uh, done some classes. Uh, how old are the kids usually uh, teach? Uh, for so, so I teach. Um, well, there's two of them that I teach at, but the the history side of it, um, they're third grade. So we're talking eight, nine, maybe ten, depending on because honestly, after the first semester or two that i taught parents were like um i'm gonna send my kid back because he wants to do this or <laughs> she wants to yeah yeah and i'll be like all right well i'll cater this class for these kids who want to come back because i think i did a I did ancient history western basically western civilization went from sumer to rome and then i was like you know what it's better if i continue that story so i did from rome to basically the end of the Reconquista and the discovery of a new world. Yeah. But like Columbus. you're teaching, you're teaching them organization. Yes. Too and some I'm teaching them in, in broad strokes and then detailed stuff. So yeah, I mean, you have to, it's important. It kind of like you've talked about, you know, the, when you look at casualties and, you know, sometimes they just end up as statistics when you do an event like the first Minnesota, and you can see 260 guys and you realize that wasn't even the full first Minnesota. That was certain companies that were detached and other companies were doing other things. And even if that was, cause yeah, there were regiments that were 200 men and you know, like some of those regiments in the, in the second Corps and the fifth Corps at Gettysburg were like really small, yeah. you know, really reduced. But um, then you have regiments that are 300, you know, especially on the Confederate side. I mean, you've got some big regiments over there. So to, to understand the organization and how it's different from today's military or, you know, any other time, I mean, it, it is, it's, it's paramount to understand how that is broken down. And I, I like, um, I like the way that Matt Atkinson at Gettysburg, the oh, park yeah. ranger, the yeah. way he breaks it down. He said, I'm going to go from the big picture down to the small picture. <laughs> and, and it's, he's just a, yeah. you know, he's, no, he's, he's a he's crowd great. pleaser. I mean, he's yeah. great because he knows how to relate that. And then, you know, like your, your thing about the, I lead a tour and then somebody's like, well, we're the monuments here and yeah. he'll incorporate yeah. that. So Barksdale looks and he, he looks past that, that shell station right there and he looks <laughs> over here and he sees, yeah. So he, I think he likes to have fun with it. Um, but yeah, just understanding, you know, from the company, let's say the company level, which is probably, I mean, I guess you can break it down into like platoons and squads, you know, which is necessary. You're going to do, yeah, messes. (laughs) If you're going to do like skirmish drill. Okay. Yeah. But the company is kind of the basic unit of the regiment and then 10 companies per regiment. Okay. Well, We've been to reenactments before. Yeah, you know, 15, 20 guys in a company. Yeah, okay. Late in the war, maybe. Yeah. Mid-war, yeah. before they've gotten draftees or, or new recruits. But no, these companies are supposed to be much larger. I mean, you know, even just mid-1862, we're talking 60, 70, 80 guys in a company. And not to mention the size of a regiment. And I think that the thing that is often lost and it's, it's one of those things that when you go to an event like the first Minnesota or what hopefully the fourth Texas is going to do uh, in a few weeks at Antietam is show just what those numbers lined up shoulder to shoulder is going to look like. And then recognize that's not a brigade. That's not even, a, yeah, that's not a division. That's one regiment. 
and a relatively small regiment at that. Um, I once did it, I was trying to do a calculation just kind of in my head and I would do it on my phone of, uh, the second day at Gettysburg and, you know, Longstreet's got his guys lined up, ready to go forward. What is the frontage that some of these brigades are going to have when they step off? So Law's Brigade is the unlucky brigade that was at the far end. They have to march all the way to Gettysburg. Then they have to march and they end up going in first because of the screw up and the, you know, counter the, the counter march. And then the fact, that, Oh, Sickles is here. Well, McClaws isn't going first and now it's going to be hood. And so he moves down, but laws brigade, supposedly they have five regiments. It's a big brigade. They've got probably maybe 1800 men total, yeah, something like that. Close to that yeah. So then estimate, okay. The average, you know, um, you know, shoulder size, you know, whatever a guy space in line and then extrapolate that out on the conservative side, you're talking what 700 yards, 800, eight football fields of guys lined up and, and laws brigade went in, not doubled up. It was one regiment next to another. And you think, my God, this is enormous. How, how do you get that across to people? It's, it's strange. And then, and then, uh, you know, Robertson's brigade, is you know a few hundred less but still big and then two brigades behind them yeah they went in stacked like that yeah right? yeah two and two two and then two and yeah, it's just yeah. it's incredible now uh you make a point right there that this is something i've always wondered about because you know every time you go to gatesburg or any big battlefield like that with a, a lot of monuments like that for the union monuments you know that's another thing too there's no really monuments to individual confederate regiments there's monuments to individual union regiments yeah and so at Gettysburg, whether it's the 20 May Monument or the Iron Brigade Monument, you'll see flank markers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I go and I see, like, so you have the main monument, um, the primary monument for a certain Union regiment, and to the left, you have the left flank marker on the right, mm-hmm. and the right flank marker, and they're usually very small. Sometimes you don't see them. They might be hidden in the bushes or the trees. But... How accurate do you think those are? Because sometimes when I look, I'm like, because I've been to events and things and I see like 500 men shoulder to shoulder of 200. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, like is this really <laughs> yeah, accurate? Like, yeah. uh, what do you think about it? Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, I've, I've thought, I mean, of course, there's always the debates over is the monument in the right place? Yeah, is yeah. it is it here? You know, the, that's the, the classic one at Gettysburg is Smith's uh, Smith's Battery. Uh, James Devil's Smith's Den. battery at, at yeah, Devil's yeah. Den Triangular yeah. Field. You know, yeah. was it here? Was it? Man, we're talking about fifty yards. What does it matter? They were here yeah. somewhere yeah. shooting yeah. at the Rebs over there. You know. But, oh yeah. Um, yeah. The 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 flank markers. I just, I mean, you know, these monuments start popping up what in the eighties and the nineties. Yeah. You know, and I I just. I, I always kind of look at a lot of these things with, and I keep it with a grain of salt. You know, yeah. some of the stories that you hear, like, oh, um, uh, Lieutenant McKenzie came up to Strong Vincent and said, uh, where's your division commander? And Vincent says, well, what are your orders? And, you know, he said it with enough authority that, and, you know, it's like, yeah, but, you know, did that really happen that way? Yeah. Because, um Norton is telling this story after Vincent's death. He clearly idolized the guy. You know, how much of that is, you know, some of these stories, that's what I wonder. And so when the, yeah. when the, when the veterans come back and they're pointing out 
I was here. This regiment, it, it was out to this point. Well, how much of the landscape has changed in 20 years? You know, it's, it's a, still a farming community. They're tearing down trees, bushes, you know, putting up fences, taking down fences, moving boulders in the case of Gettysburg. And yeah, in, in other places, there's other things going on too. So I don't know. It, it always boggles yeah. the mind to me yeah. that as a veteran, I could go out and comprehend exactly where my unit was when it was in the midst of combat. I have no idea what's going on outside of my own tunnel vision. And I can remember with clarity how long my regiment's line was. And then the other regiment and, and know what's going on. I don't, I don't yeah, buy that, yeah. but it's combat. I've never been in combat before. How, I don't know. Um, but the people that I, I do know that have been in combat yeah. will tell you that. And I read the firsthand accounts and there's a, a great one from Abner Small. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, what is it, 16th May? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, you know, I'm a huge fan of the first day at Gettysburg. Oh, Love all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Probably my favorite day, as it's turned out. And he says, you know, rare is the man who knows anything outside of even, what was it, like his regiment or maybe even his own company. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, that's really the best way to describe the, this viewpoint of what's going on. So, yeah, I, I'm really skeptical of a lot of that. You know, well, you know, I, I uh, can buy where the where the the general idea where the monument is, flank markers. I'm gonna need a little bit yeah, more documentation than that. <laughs> but I, but it just made me think when you when you said your research of seeing a brigade length mm-hmm. and and how and that it might be even be something if a park ever does anything like that. Just adding like flank markers for a brigade to kind of give you an mm-hmm. idea, an accurate idea. But even that's hard to do. You really can unless you go to a national reenactment where there might be a couple thousand reenactors and you can get a somewhat idea of a full scale you could battle, do it but you could do it kind of like they did in the 150th cycle where you remember all of the videos and stuff about when they redid uh when they did the tour of pickett's charge at the time and they had like fifteen thousand people coming across the field that's right you they could organized do it that way them, yeah. yeah yeah you could get visitors you could you could have that's like true. maybe 150 or 200 living historians as the core, you know, and they're mm-hmm. holding the, you know, yeah. the, they're the, the, the center regiment, you know, sure. everyone guides on this regiment and then, you know, organize, you know, Lieutenant Atkinson out there. All right. I want this side to be Mississippi and I want you <laughs> and line up and, you know, and have yeah. them going, you know, that yeah. would be, you could see, I mean, you know, they wouldn't be in uniform, but yeah. who cares? Yeah. You see that many people advancing. That's pretty cool. And if you could do it, not necessarily to wheel and all that kind of stuff, but just to see what that line would look like. That's pretty neat. That would be cool. Well, you know, um, this doesn't have to be Gettysburg, but one question I like to ask people is um, if you had a chance to go back in time mm-hmm. and witness any battle event or of the civil war, um, is there a particular event that you would want to witness and see what did it really look like? I have several. Oh yeah. And I would say a Western battlefield, but so many of the Western battlefields are, uh, wooded. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, okay, well, there's, well, first of all, there's a couple of things that I have to know, (laughs) you know, I'm going to do the nerd thing. It's like, am I in danger? Can I get on foot and walk (laughs) around? Are they going to see me? Are they going to shoot at me? Um, but yeah, I mean, if I'm, if I'm looking, I mean, I would love to see Shiloh. I would love to see Stones River. I would love to see Chickamauga. 
and you know Kennesaw Mountain, you know, all this kind of stuff. Franklin, you know, that would be awesome to see yeah. that many Confederates. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, especially I, if you're up on a Winston Hill or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. If you can see that, or yeah. you know, if I could stand in the middle of the Columbia Pike, yeah, at the Carter House, and I could look oh, straight yeah. and see yeah. Claiborne and you know all these other all these that would be cool. Um, so as a Western battlefield, maybe that one. Um, First Manassas, Henry Hill. Well, I, I let's just say First Manassas because <laughs> Matthews Hill is really cool too. Yeah. I mean, you know, you go to that battlefield and it's just this big, these big open yeah, plains, yeah. and you could just see. And I, and I remember the uh, which for a second you forget you're inches away from DC rush hour track. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's just this little you know tiny oasis in the middle of yeah. suburban <laughs> Washington DC. But uh, now there was a, the, I think it was the 125th reenactments, the really big ones, the classic ones. And I had a video uh, that they did with that. And you can actually find it on YouTube. I think Lionheart Films puts all of them on YouTube. And it was um, that reenactment. And they, they had thousands of guys. And it looked so cool because they've all got their Havelocks and the, the flags. And it, it was actually like a rudimentary, like, this is sort of authentic looking, you know? And that image of seeing like line after line of guys advancing and seeing, you know, the, the stars and stripes flying that image of seeing, you know, those brigades and divisions coming over Matthews Hill and then coming up to Henry Hill and then seeing all of the uniforms, that would be cool. Like seeing oh, yeah. Yeah. what did that actually look like? That would be neat. Um, you could be one of the picnic goers. Uh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> it, yeah. With, with, you know, without worrying about a shell landing in the middle of the bridge and, being captured by the revs but uh i would say i mean fredericksburg it would be hard to say no to see to stand on marie's heights and watch oh for yeah. hours yeah. all of the just just to see that many troops yeah charging i mean that would be neat um i would say chancellorsville and the flank attack but again it, so yeah. much of that you couldn't see um yeah i mean you could see parts of where the 11th corps was Gettysburg, obviously. Um, well, what's one thing at Gettysburg? One thing at Gettysburg. I would not say Pickett's Charge. I'd be torn between, like, if I could, I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe the uh, kind of the peach orchard wheat field plum run it just yeah. in that area and it would be hard to pick seeing seeing the peach orchard line not even being attacked but just under fire just yeah. seeing it deployed because you always see it in the maps right you see you know all of these troops and you see humphrey's division all along the emmitsburg road and then you see you know bernie's divisions all broken up but you know all of these guns blasting away i mean just firing as fast as they can and the confederates firing back not even attacked, but just seeing that line up, that would be cool. Um, seeing some of the charges in the wheat field, like uh, Cross's Brigade oh, yeah. and Zook, and then the yeah. Irish going, you know, oh, just yeah. boom, all these lines just moving back and forth. Um, and Brooks, and, the one that swept all the way through yeah. the wood line or yeah. the Rose Woods or right there by the Rose Farm. And got uh, yeah. got Sims, well, killed and mortally wounded. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Th that would be neat. Um, another one that, that I would say 
would be really cool to see would be um, if I could be at the Mule Shoe at dawn on May the 12th. Yeah. yeah. And see the entire Union Second Corps. But then it was really foggy. Yeah, it'd right? be hard to see. But it'd still be really To hear it. Oh, yeah. Because when you when you read about that and it's like they go in as quiet as they can, but that many troops is making a lot of noise. And then when they hit the picket line and they scream because they think they hit the main Confederate line and then they don't realize, oh, it's another 50 yards. And you hear, you know, what was it? 12,000 Union soldiers yeah. with that. You know, think about the first Minnesota yell. Oh, yeah. Amplified. Sure. In, in that place, I mean that that is a very. I've been there twice, and I was there in January. It is a very eerie kind of place. It's it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to imagine what happened there, but when you actually comprehend how big those earthworks were and where the line was, it's like, I can't, I can't. <sighs> That's crazy. So we're talking about moments that we want to would like to go back and witness. But uh, did you have any more? Uh... Gettysburg related or anything Gettysburg related. I would love to see, um, I would love to see the iron brigade, uh, on McPherson's Ridge, Herps woods. And that I would also at the same time, love to see, um, Pender's division charging in that, you know, what between three and four seminary Ridge. Yeah. And and that's another thing about Gettysburg. And, And honestly, all of these battles, that's really interesting to me is that nobody knows the, exact time it's always this kind of general oh it was around three or it was around yeah. you know i mean longstreet says that his attack is happening you know it's all in the afternoon barksdale goes forward early afternoon or something and it's like no we we know it was later but how people comprehend time i, I don't it's just somebody a made a good conversion the other day about how um uh like car accidents and and car wrecks or if you Mm -hmm. witness something like that like 20 minutes later your idea of what happened like like we struggle with it like going back trying to remember all the details now what lane was i in what lane were they in and you know so the only thing that really um i really look at is you know you kind of have to take all the timing with a grain of salt like that but one thing for sure is just the combat itself what these guys saw or like what happened to the buddy standing next to them. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, some accounts when you read, you can just tell the ones that are, they're almost like so simple or so honest about stuff that you just believe it. Mm-hmm. And other, the ones that really milk it or the ones that are written in the later 1800 yeah. or, yeah. you know, 1890s, early 1900s. So there's a lot of chest bumping and yeah. a lot of, uh, that's another thing too. There's a lot of guys who may have missed the battle of Gettysburg that got, they felt like they missed out and, and they wanted a piece of the pie. And so you have guys like, that's another thing too. Like a, a joke about like of all the accounts I've read of guys who witnessed Pickett's charge. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Meade had 50,000 guys right there on cemetery. Yeah. Bridge on, yeah. You know? Well, that's the way it is with football um, games. You know, yeah, here, yeah. I mean, yeah. you have the iron bowl and, um, one one game that sticks out is the Punt Bama Punt game in 1972. Yeah. The number of people who's claimed they were at Punt Bama Punt, it's not just larger than the amount of Auburn fans that were there. It's larger than the amount of people that would have been at Legion yeah. Field that day. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah I was there. Yeah. I, I remember. Right there. <laughs> or the 1989 game or the 85 kick or something. You know, that we all want to be part of something yeah. and, and everyone <laughs> wants to claim. And uh, 
but yeah, I think there's a lot of that. And, uh, and even going back to talking about what these guys were writing, you know, it's like, um, there was a lot of respect back then too. So of course, in a lot of your accounts, there's not much cussing and, you know, it was there, but yeah. you know, they, they refrained from using that, you know, and another thing that one thing I realized that I am a little dark humor here, if you will, but like sometimes like, it seems like every guy's buddy just had the most beautiful death in a way that, mm-hmm. um, like, oh, and my pard Charlie got shot, and he said, oh, you know, <laughs> I, I'm died fighting for my country, yeah. and he has like all of them almost have this movie death moment, yeah, and and I, I think a lot of that comes from the respect, and also like uh, it could have been that their buddies, you know head got blown off Mm -hmm. or his final words were good god my stomach is (laughs) and they don't want to write home about that or they don't want to print that in a newspaper and so they'll you know they'll say things like that i think they kind of make everybody you know feel good at home they're like oh i'm glad billy died Mm -hmm. with his friends and a good mindset and all that because um we didn't get honest about a lot of that till years later and Mm -hmm. you know now we're a lot more personal you know, and, and I'll tell you, I, I deep dived in so many newspaper articles over the last few months that I came across some that were, I was surprised at how graphic they were. Hmm. Um, uh, I came across an account of a grave digger at Gettysburg and just, uh, like going around the battlefield at night, even with the lantern, trying to find hmm. the bodies. And, and he gave a full description of each body that he came across. Uh. And, and this was like in the, new york times or mm-hmm. uh national tribune and and um so i mean yeah they're out there i mean you guys certainly did talk about these things and and uh but i just mean for the vast majority i think they really tried to clean things up even some of the hospital stories are very mm-hmm. clean and you know they don't want to offend uh, people at home and and uh but like for me like i get more out of it when i kind of see the brutal truth sometimes and you well it's really a strange understand. culture too because yeah they're they're publishing uh they're putting dead you know pictures of dead guys on the battlefield in a gallery that the yeah. public can go yeah. see but yeah. this is also a culture that you know when a when a child dies they're dressing it up putting it in the coffin and they're taking pictures and they keep that picture on the mantle you know i mean it's it's kind of strange how they, because yeah. they're dealing with death all the time and it's, it's a very different kind of way, but yeah, kind of like you said about, um, some of like the hospital stories. And I remember, uh, I was reading, I was listening to, it was addressing Gettysburg and they were doing, I think it was an anniversary special and they were talking about the hospitals and they talked about, uh, Colonel, uh, Patton, uh, Patton's from Pickett's uh, division. From Pickett's division. Yeah. yeah the, the guy that Ted Turner was playing. Yeah, right? Waller Patton. Yeah, and he gets, you know, in the movie, you know, he's shot, oh, he's shot in the chest. Yeah. Uh, he lost his entire lower jaw. Oh, wow. And he survived. He were, well, he was alive for some time. Yeah. But he couldn't talk. He couldn't really, I mean, it was very hard for them to, like, you know, get water down. And when he would lay down, they said he would start to, um, basically choke on you know his tongue or whatever was hanging and so the nurse um decided to have him strapped to her back like she would they would sit up back to back and they roped them together so he could sit up and rest 
and not suffocate. Oh wow! Of course, he died yeah. anyway. Yeah. But I mean, talk about a a, a brutal. I mean, you know, you, you think, oh yeah, you know, General Patton's uh, ancestor yeah. died bravely yeah. at Gettysburg. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that those are the things. Like every now and then, I will think about. There was a, uh, and I can't. I haven't found it since. But there was. It was one of the magazines, like America's Civil War, Civil yeah, War Times. I got a lot of those relatively <laughs> recently, and it was it was the cover story was a soldier in the Western theater has these brutal uh, sketches and paintings of his experience. And it was, it was a full thing, like 10 pages of this guy was at Shiloh. He was at Stones river. He was at Chickamauga and it is, it's brutal. I mean, guys, I mean, he, he apparently had a fascination with just seeing bodies that were headless. Was and he a German artist? I don't know, but okay. they were, they were, they were like watercolors. Yeah. 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 It was just like the figure was German. Yeah, it was like guys just leaning up against the yeah, tree with no yeah, head. Yeah. Or and I remember one of them was it was he it was something that he saw at Stones River where it's like behind a fence and it may have actually this may have been a different guy now that I think about it. it may have been a different artist, but it was a bunch of guys behind a fence and the fighting is kind of going around or wherever and you see like three or four guys and it's a mixture of Confederates because they're in brown, butternut and then Union guys and all of them have just these bloody faces and a couple of them are missing their, their lower jaws and their tongues. I mean, it's just, Oh, it's terrible. But I mean, that's the kind of stuff that would happen all the time. It's not like, yeah. you know, even a movie like glory that has one really gory scene at the beginning. And then, you know, a lot of guys, you know, I'm shot in the arm or, you know, I'm shot in the leg or whatever. No, I mean, these guys are, they're getting shot to pieces and it's just brutal. Yeah. And you know, um, and one thing, and, and I, I think this is a, um, uh, you, you touched on how even after Antietam, these guys, photographers came, Alexander Gardner, Matthew Brady, and all their associates yeah. who photographed the dead on the battlefield. And those are some of the most graphic images of the mm -hmm. war, you know, Harvest of Death, Gettysburg, and many others. And you talk about that one too. But, but you know, that. one thing um, um, that you get from that is, um, unfortunately, there's many cases where a dead soldier on the battlefield is some of the best glimpses we have of what a soldier may have been wearing exactly. in combat. And so us reenactors have studied <laughs> these little images of the, the dead for that reason, because you get a good idea of like, wow, what was this guy kind of mm -hmm. strapped around him? What, like, what kind of belt is he wearing? And, and, uh, Cause you know, you have your studio photos of a guy, a portrait, you know, sometimes yeah. what he's wearing in a nice portrait in town on leave or something that's going to be nicer than what he'd be actually wearing in battle. And, and, um, so those are always fascinating like that, but you know, one thing, uh, um, to talk about, you were talking about images and sketches and paintings, but I have a couple sketches my brother made in the room and I have one sitting behind us that, uh, it's a sketch he did of Chickamauga. And uh, have you found any more about yeah, what do you think that is? Is it, uh, is it Hans Hegg? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That was the name I was yeah. trying to think of. Yeah. And I, I was like, it's not Philemon Baldwin. Okay. It's the other guy. And he's by Vineyard Field and yeah. you know, all that. Yeah. yeah. Hans Hegg. Okay. So uh, <laughs> so he, he wanted to sketch the final moments of, of Hans Hegg, or at least before he was shot. Yeah. And uh, so that's supposed to be his brigade, 15 mm -hmm. Wisconsin there. And uh, 
Um, I took him, my brother has fallen in love with Chickamauga and I took him there, um, a couple years ago, just a brother outing out there. And, uh, for some reason, he just really latched onto the story of Hans Haig mm -hmm. and I love his story too. And I, I have his, uh, book of letters mm. that they published and, uh, letters to his wife and, uh, he has a, an amazing story. It's worth looking up. I know yeah. the digital digest did a whole video on his life. But um, but he was so fascinated with the Hans Hegg story that uh, he wanted to sketch something to remember it by. And so uh, I have that hanging up in my room. Yeah. So excited about that. But, but that's uh, a that's a battle that just it's it's incredible. I mean, and I remember in the Ken Burns documentary, which for better or for worse, does a great job of introducing people to the Civil War and does a terrible job of focusing on what needs to be, you know, like Stones River isn't mentioned at all. Perryville isn't mentioned, you know, all these battles. Oh, yeah. And Chickamauga gets two minutes. <laughs> and the, the most profound part of it is that Shelby Foote is like, oh, yeah, all the great heroes are there. It's a great battle. And, and yeah, that's it. And then it's just, you know, it shows the painting of Snodgrass Hill. And then it goes, okay, we're going to Chattanooga because we're going to start talking about Grant now. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and Sherman. And uh, that is, it's a battle that probably at the time, you know, in the late 1800s, got a lot of do because that's the first national military park, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. That's yeah, the first I'm pretty one. Pretty sure. And um, all the monuments and everything. And when you go there and you see all of the monuments and you're kind of like, how impressive it is, you realize, wow, you know, they really cared. And this is a defeat for Union soldiers, but they identified yeah, with that's this why moment. A lot of people didn't talk about it. Much. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> but this is this is a very important place for so many of these guys. And, you know, Thomas's guys, Snodgrass Hill. I mean, yeah, we may have lost this battle, but we won this part of the battle. You know? Yeah. So you yeah. see like the second Minnesota's you know, the, the standard bear. I mean, that's something out of Gettysburg, yeah, yeah. you know, and no, some I of the, some of the Confederate monuments are, are big and grand and, and everything. And, and then you have like Alabama's monument, which is really old and needs to be touched up, but um, <laughs> yeah. what a great battle. And, and well, my and brother sweeping. just walked, he walked the whole Horseshoe Ridge and Snodgrass Hill and yeah. he, um, he loved it. Just, uh, he really just fell in love with that aspect of the battle too. And, um, uh, he, cause he even, he even in his own studies said, man, that that's an epic stand right there. Yeah. yeah. Thomas's guys and re really epic. And, uh, which, uh, forgot, you know, Granger's guys were involved too. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah they sat the whole other rest of the battle yeah. out and you know, just decided, <laughs> oh yeah, we were finishing breakfast. Let's come on over and help. Which they kind of, in a funny, <laughs> in a weird way, uh, Granger's reserve corps coming up at the right time like that kind of reminds me in a sense of. Uh, the 11th Corps, the first Corps showing up on the first day at Gettysburg mm -hmm. and kind of getting punched in the face as soon as they arrive. Yeah. And, uh, but they still hold their ground on Cemetery Hill and, and everything. And so I'm, I'm always bringing it back to Gettysburg. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, you were talking about Chickamauga too, is something that uh, um, I really want to pursue some projects on Chickamauga. Mm -hmm. I want to go back out, photograph everything. Yeah. Um, I have the ORs for Chickamauga over there on the shelf getting ready. And, it's just the thing about a lot of these battles and, you know, um, Gettysburg might be easier because there's just so many easy landmarks. Mm -hmm. Like you have a peach orchard, you have a little round top, you have the wheat field, like yeah. you have all these things that you can differentiate. But when you have a battle like Chickamauga, you know, uh, there's so many different fields. 
There's so many different patches of woods. And, uh, you know, Snodgrass Hill might be the easiest as far mm-hmm. as a destination right there. But it's always been um, – I keep trying to grasp it. But, like, I want to get familiar with Chickamauga like I am with Gettysburg. Yeah. And it deserves it. It deserves the attention. And um, But I find it hard. It's difficult. It is hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, so much of that landscape, especially the 19th, you know, because, I mean, September the 20th is a lot easier to understand because you have a static line of, of battle for the Union side. And, you know, it's the Union Army's defending, the Confederates are attacking. And then you have, you know, you have the fighting at Kelly Field and they're hitting Thomas's line and they're just stonewalled every time. And it keeps going on even into the evening before they pull back. But then you have the breakthrough, which is just this great story about, whoops, we moved this unit out of the way. Now, boom, the whole core and and then some comes through and then you know then you have the stand on you know so the 20th is a little bit easier to understand the 19th i i um at missionary ridge i had my guys in my company and i was sending emails and stuff and i said all right guys you know whoever's there on friday morning we're gonna go to chickamauga because it's 20 minutes down the road we're gonna and i'm gonna lead a tour of where the 64th ohio was in this battle because they were in harker's brigade so Crittenden's Corps, they come in in the afternoon and they're fighting Vineyard Field almost to Brotherton. They're they're mixed up with some of Longstreet's guys. And then they're part of the defense of that breakthrough and then on Snodgrass. And so I was like, I've got all this stuff, you know, and that was cool because all these guys in my company and then other companies, you know, I was able to kind of do like a little a little tour. And um, I, I, I remember making this comment. I said it's like a big 12 football game. <laughs> there is no defense. It's just offense. Yeah. Attack, yeah. counterattack, yeah. counterattack, yeah. counterattack, yeah. boom, boom, boom. I'm scoring a touchdown. Now I'm scoring it. And that's what happens. You know, the, the, uh, Rosecrans is throwing in a brigade and then, then then Bragg throws in two more brigades. And then it's like, all right, I'm throwing in a division and, you know, or, or like Antietam in the morning. Jackson's not really defending as much as he is throwing every soldier that he has at Hooker and then at Mansfield and then at Sumner until he has nothing left. And he's just like repurposing units. And that's what's happening at Chickamauga. And, you know, the, we, I did the, um, I think it was in 2017, we did a, a living history at Chickamauga. I think it was, uh, was it some Tennessee regiment. It was with the IR. Oh, um, I did that one. Oh, you did? Was, the 23rd. 23rd Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. We must have been in different companies. Yeah, I think we were in different I companies. I was in the AG company. Okay. I was with, uh, who was it? Roach was commanding our company. Okay. Yeah, and I was yeah, in there yeah. with Landrum and, gotcha. and Justin. And uh, That was a hot one. It was a hot one. Well, <laughs> well, that was that was when we got hit by the, the Yellow Jackets. Yeah, yeah. We, we yeah, were coming I through that. near Vineyard Field. Yeah. And I just, the, the guy in front of me, it's like, oh, God. I was like, what's going oh! yeah. on? Yeah, we it, kept moving. We kept moving and moving yeah, and moving. It, it felt like a we bullet finally, hitting my finger. I think they finger. said every man for himself for a minute there. Because... Oh, I I was lined up. <laughs> and then whoever, I can't remember who it was behind me. was like, man, you've got them all over your pants. And it was just in my trousers. And I stepped out of line. And y'all were doing a wheel. And I'm in the back. And if you, the one of the, I think Eric Tipton or somebody had a video of it. And you guys are wheeling out. And I'm in the background just like, doing this trying to get rid of them. <laughs> but i remember when we got to that point after we had been you know zapped or whatever we were taking a break and i went up to lee lee white and 
I was trying to have him explain because we had didn't we start at like Jay's Mill or something like yeah, that? Yeah, and we, we did. Can we march yeah. down? And then we marched like twenty miles. Oh my God, that was, <laughs> after, yeah, that was that was horrible. Yeah, that was that was really hot, really uncomfortable. But I remember asking him to kind of give me a direction. Okay, what's going? What's the time frame? Yeah, and yeah. it was just like this is this battle is enormous. He said mm-hmm. it's a lot of men. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a huge battle. Maybe well, that, not, that was one of the biggest Confederate armies assembled. Yeah, I mean, what, what do they have? Like eighty thousand men or something like something. that. I mean, and, it was, uh, all those armies. maybe had sixty thousand or yeah. something. And uh, but you know what gets me too is is the uh, um, it becomes such a piecemeal battle with different brigades. Like like in both armies, you have brigades from other corps fighting next to each other, and then sometimes breaking down by regiments. Like it would be like. They need to plug a gap somewhere. And I think yeah. you have a spare regiment, take that regiment. Do you have a spare mm-hmm. brigade? Take the brigade. And that's another thing that makes it confusing. Because like even Gettysburg, it's very organized in the sense that the core and division are kind of marked where they are. Yeah. The way the battle is shaped. But Chickamauga, because it's just so wild as far as mm-hmm. send these guys here, send these guys there. And it becomes very disorganized that um, it's it just a little more. And, and we were just talking about the Dave Powell series which that's probably his trilogy on chickamauga is probably one of the more detailed ones it's, yeah. it's become like out. the authoritative version yeah, i think yeah it kind of reminds me of some of the classic gettysburg trilogies you know as far as the detail yeah like so or um yeah that's right too uh, i like i like a, g- a good book with a good index too because yeah that's <laughs> thing i do especially yeah. for me like if i'm studying an individual regiment so if i want to break down and find out what did the 23rd Tennessee do a Chickamauga and I'm going to look in his book and look in the index and see like, mm-hmm. okay, where does he cover the 23rd? And yeah. sometimes not every regiment gets covered, but I have a lot of books where the index just says like Tennessee infantry. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, no, I need to know which yeah, I need specifics. Yeah. I need specifics here. And uh, so I appreciate detailed indexes as well, but um, it's fascinating stuff. And I really want to, uh, learn more and so i know the american battlefield trust has some videos out and uh of course there's the movie at the visitor center and the more i kind of watched which i was things. in i was in that movie really yep yeah we did the we did the filming in yeah 2011 yeah and i was supposed yeah. to be paid 50 dollars a day and I, I never got paid but you know i'm are you I'm, can they see you oh yeah yeah film? no i um i remember we we filmed uh it was the breakthrough shot uh, the Saturday morning that I went up there and we were all in Confederate and we did like 10 takes of coming into Dyer yeah. Field, yeah. Uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, everybody who, who brought federal gear change into it. So I changed it and we had maybe like 25, 30 guys. And I remember telling, um, one of the people, I was like, uh, we, cause we did a, you know, just a generic firing line, you know, and I'm like acting it out. And I think, one of the people was like, you did really good. It's like, yeah, well, I was a theater major at UAB for a year. So I kind of know how to, yeah. And so then, then we did the scene with Van Pelt's battery and the 10th yeah. Wisconsin. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm, you know, like I switched hats with the guy. So I was like, yeah, hey, we'll look like we're a little bit different, you know, it's a different unit. And I was on the end of the line and I have a close up. They're like, you know, oh, nice. they kind of show me and I'm like, you know, yeah. running down. And then they actually have my voice in it. And I think there's a, you know, they have like a point and I yelled out, oh, we got to get out of here. You know, and I'm like, oh, hey, cool. 
<laughs> so, every, time I, every time I go and watch these things, and these parts, oh, like, yeah, I recognize see, half the people in them. Well, I recognize people in Civil War Journal, too. Yeah. And, and yeah. in Civil War Combat, people mm-hmm. that I've seen. You know, yeah. and, uh, yeah. I mean, Rob Hodge it's is a in small like, world. every single one of these things. The movie history know. community is a small world. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it really is. But I feel like I keep missing every taping that's ever been done. In, in my career of reenacting. And, and uh, that's why another reason I'm excited about Antietam is yeah. the, the American Battlefield Trust is going to be filming some footage. And I'm that's like, right. oh, I was like, maybe this is it. <laughs> yeah, this I'm is finally your moment. Get that's some right. Footage. Uh, so, but it's because, you know, I grew up watching all these different things. And like, I know, like, I got into reenacting around the same time they were filming all those, because mm-hmm. uh, that was PBS, right? The Untold Story. Yes. What you did. Well, the, it was for Chickamauga Battlefield, but then they turned but it into. They like turned that in, yeah, because they did. Yeah. They did one for Shiloh. Kennesaw. They did one for Kennesaw. They did one for Chickamauga, and I think they did one for Vicksburg. Yeah, and because what they've done, and in that documentary, they do stuff about like here's the battles around Atlanta, and they take bits of what we shot at Chickamauga. I get more, I get more close ups in some of those shots. They're talking about Atlanta than I did in the actual Chickamauga movie. Cause they got like close-ups of me, like, you know, doing this thing and all that kind of stuff. So, well, yeah. well, at least he always has that. <laughs> yeah. That's, dude, that's my, wow. my small claim to fame there. So. <laughs> oh man. But, uh, um, and I know, uh, I just remembered, uh, um, going back, I forgot when we were talking about something we'd like to witness. Oh yeah. 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 What uh, was your there was one and I'll only share one. Um, because uh, you named so many already. <laughs> no, mine is because uh, um, I'm really deep diving into Gettysburg. So um, what I would want to see is the retreat on day one. Yeah. Oh, so man. many guys, like, another thing, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the cannonade on before Pickett's Charge because mm-hmm. everybody writes about it. Mm-hmm. And you, you just, yes, guys can milk details, but the fact that, like, every single veteran of Gettysburg writes about the cannonade it had to have been something crazy. And so I feel like every guy that was there talks about the retreat just being insane. And I just picture thousands of guys shoulder to shoulder running through the town. You have civilians screaming and running and yeah. you have cannon artillery shells going through rooftops. Yeah. And like, I don't want to be on a rooftop or somewhere just yeah. seeing everyone. Get on the, full... the Fonestock building where yeah. Howard was and yeah. watch the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. And uh and see like, you know, guys getting trapped and and who would have thought too that when when they first built the town of Gettysburg that all those tall fences would be death traps for guys exactly. at some point. Yeah. But that would fascinate me because you just hear about the utter confusion. Like whether guys are in the first corps, eleventh corps, or even the Confederates writing about it, like it just sounds like absolute mayhem. Yeah. Uh, especially for a Coster's brigade in the brickyard. That like would be, they get online, yeah. and as soon as they get online, they're practically surrounded, and like five minutes rapid fight, and then they're either captured or running away. But um, that's the only one I can think of because. Uh, I mean, everything else is like, to me, that's more unique too, because yes, you could say like, oh, one battle scenario is going to look like the other, but like something like that, whether it's a cannonade or a retreat like that is something like, I, I wouldn't you even, could, and you could find wagon out, trains. Well, you could find out who one. retreats first, the first corps or the 11th corps, Yeah. The big debate, yeah. right? Who goes yeah. first? <laughs> Which there's a lot more respect now for the 11th corps than there was back then. I oh, can yeah. tell you that because, uh, and I, I love, uh, I have a book. 
Um, this is one of my favorites. Is uh, Gettysburg in the pages of the National Tribune. And oh, it's a okay. collection of articles written by veterans in the National Tribune, ranging from 1870s mm -hmm. all the way to like 1920s in there. And uh, they have so many debates in that book between First Corps and Eleven Corps veterans. And it's just fun reading the back and forth, you know, and uh, no, it's really interesting. Man, some of those Eleventh Corps guys really, I mean, you know, w one of the really fascinating parts, not to get off too much on a tangent, but the uh, the skirmishing that Schimmelfenning's brigade was doing in basically in the shadow of Oak Ridge and Oak Hill, like actually capturing positions as a skirmish line. I mean, yeah. I know they weren't facing like a defined, you know, Dole's brigade was kind of like, hanging back and you know they had skirmishers yeah but that's a really neat like thing Un unlike the skirmishing on day two in the pickets charge fields where you know it's it's kind of the normal thing they, they are advancing holding a battle line trying to because they have no they have no troops to cover the space yeah and then you know you the 45th new york and then their stand in the town and, 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 and well they uh, were pissed um Schimmelfang's division out there was pissed at the fact that they were getting because they felt like they were doing the right thing. Yeah, all these guys yeah. felt like they were putting up a good fight, and all of a sudden, everything collapses yeah. on them. And and uh, that's a good point. And I feel one um, overshadowed thing. One of the favorite things I read is just it's forgotten what the Eleven Corps did after all that because they're mm -hmm. so you know, and even Cemetery Hill, you know, they forget that they were yeah. even there, you yeah. know. But the constant three days worth of skirmishing mm -hmm. so july 2nd july 3rd and most of the morning of july 4th these guys are sniper tactics back and forth and they're under fire for two and a half days just sitting there behind the stone walls and cemetery yeah. hill and um I, I came across a lot of just interesting accounts of guys either it, it felt like world war ii tactics going into a house breaking in trying yep. to get snipers out of there uh, so it was really intense. And uh, one thing I've always thought about is I would love for there to be a miniseries, a TV miniseries on really the town of Gettysburg. It could be many stories, many uh, um, human interest stories of Gettysburg. But like there's so many different individual stories in different houses and different mm -hmm. civilians in Gettysburg and even different soldiers that were there that you could make like a 10 part miniseries and feature a different angle story oh yeah like john from burns, a different perspective you know yeah, jenny yeah, wade yeah and, john burns jenny wade the garlax um yeah, yeah. uh the uh the, the pennsylvania Heads, reserves that lives there pennsylvania reserves um what's her name uh sheeds and uh my favorite is um um uh the woman who worked at evergreen cemetery oh oh yeah um, um Oh my gosh, what's her name? I can't remember. Elizabeth Thorne. Thorne, Elizabeth yeah. Thorne. That's right. She has a beautiful story. So, uh, so yeah, we just talked about Elizabeth Thorne, another one. So, you know, you have all these cool stories mm -hmm. of individuals there. I, I think it really make for compelling to tell, you know, because I, I know the thing is, the idea that people have is people are tired of battle movies or those don't sell anymore you know maybe back in the early 90s we all loved big battle movies but not yeah. they just don't make it now but if you did it if you did a gettysburg miniseries or something from the civilian standpoint uh events leading up to and before and after like after the battle of gettysburg is dramatic dramatic stuff mm -hmm. like the people 
the tragic stories of some of the people that died, either trying to bury the dead or dying of disease, or the people, the kids picking up guns or unexploded shells. Mm -hmm. And there's Alan Frazier's story that um, I came across. Have you heard that one where uh, it's the, so. the dad of a veteran of the um, 72nd Pennsylvania, like the dad of a soldier who died, came to bury his son, and they witnessed the Gettysburg Address and everything. And the day after Gettysburg Address, this guy went relic hunting. And he found a shell, an unexploded shell or whatever, and he was trying to shake the powder out. Uh, and this little boy, I think he was nine or ten or something, um, or maybe no, like maybe a little older, ten or eleven. And uh, Alan Frazier was his name, and he went to witness what this guy was doing, and he's got a hammer. Oh no! Hitting this unexploded shell, <laughs> and the worst possible thing happens, and uh, his. Uh, this old man's hands get blown off and then the fragments kill this boy instantly. Wow. Um, I think it cuts him in half. Like it's a very, and this was printed in the newspaper too. Mm -hmm. And it was like a tragedy in Gettysburg. I think it was in the, uh, what the newspaper was in the time Gettysburg Empire or whatever it was at the time of the battle. And, uh, a very depressing account. Yeah. And, and he's buried. You can see the grave for that boy in evergreen cemetery. Huh. And, uh, okay. I think, it was in one of those Tim Smith videos where um, they knew he was, it was something like they knew he was buried in Evergreen, but nobody was for sure where. And they, yeah. and when they did like the, like there was an old marker that wasn't good. And so they like raised money to make a new, so it was a newer monument in Evergreen, maybe, you know, maybe 15 years ago or so that, uh, uh, so there is a tribute to him in Evergreen. So I took a mm. picture of that when I went Cool. and, uh, but I mean, there's stories like that that would be interesting. Yeah. And there's no battles going on. It's just uh, the, the people of Gettysburg after the battle. And I even think of Franklin when I think of this. The people of Franklin, Tennessee after the battle mm -hmm. of Franklin. Exactly. The current, like, you could make a movie about that, but just like the civilian aspect of dealing with the cleanup. And, you know, like, okay, the, the armies are going to march away. Like, yeah. they come and they fight a battle on your property and they're gone. And you're left with you know the cleanup and like either your home has bullet holes and artillery shells all over it or wounded men are in your barn or there's blood everywhere and your floorboards and it's like uh it's very terrible for a lot of people they either moved away mm -hmm. and couldn't live there couldn't anymore you know it, yeah. and i understand that too we can see that in our day and age you know you want to get away from it but then you know, it's a terrible thing. So I know there's, I think there's a book I might have. And I think there was one called when the smoke cleared at Gettysburg mm -hmm. and, uh, or a strange and blighted land. Yeah. That talk about yep. nothing but the aftermath, um, which is really interesting stuff. But, uh, the Tilly, brutal. the Tilly Pierce story. Yeah. There's one. Yeah. It, depending on how you fall as, is she telling the, the whole truth or is she embellishing? Um, that's a cool story too. I mean, you know, you could, because i mean she's not seeing the battle necessarily she's right on the periphery of it but she's experiencing all of the other these supposedly meets mead meets general weed you know and and sees and hears the cannonade going on and sees the the pennsylvania reserves moving off to to make their charge you know again you whether it's you believe everything that she's saying or not i mean that's a cool story so um well there's there's so many yeah. and uh you really uh 
you just have to if you're really into the subject you got to keep reading and, and keep yeah. looking at these first hand primary sources and accounts uh civilian and soldier and it's really remarkable stuff mm-hmm. but um we're winding down we've had a pretty uh we've been a little all over the place but uh, yeah. this has been a really interesting conversation <laughs> yeah and uh it's kind of fun to like you know i like having a conversation on certain subjects was kind of fun to kind of have a freedom to kind of talk about <laughs> anything. jump around and uh but one last jump around is um is there a particular um regiment or brigade or unit that you really like to pursue researching yourself and uh whether it's chickamauga for instance if you really like chickamauga like um, if there's um one unit that you really like to to study more than others it jumps around. I mean, I think when I was yeah. a kid, probably like you said, 20th Maine, yeah, everyone's everybody. like, Oh man, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, some of the other main regiments are really neat, like the 16th Maine, like we mentioned. Um, I've been doing a lot of research on my own on Cutler's Brigade at Gettysburg. The other the other member of Wadsworth's division that yeah. doesn't get the the, the time. There's a debate that they got there before the Iron Brigade. Right. Well, they There's did. The they got thing. on the yeah. field first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, but people, they don't talk about it. Yeah. They don't talk about that. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a really cool brigade uh, at Gettysburg. Oh yeah. Well, I want to mention of, uh, Ira Grover in the seventh Indiana. Yes. That wasn't there. That, that, that wasn't there in the morning, but, yeah. but, but they think, saved Culp's Hill. They did. And, yeah. and you think about it, six regiments in that brigade, two of them are among the oldest in the army, seventh Indiana, fought in like rich mountain and philippi and all that kind of stuff went back re-enlisted and became the same regiment again the 14th brooklyn is there from the beginning yeah yeah. then you've got the three uh three-year regiments from the fall of 61 and then you have the 147th yeah which what do you know the date that they organized officially as a regiment was it uh july 62 it was september of 62 September 17th. Oh, okay. So yeah. the, the, the very day that their comrades in that brigade are fighting on the Miller farm at okay. Antietam, they are coming, they are officially organized yeah. as a regiment. Yeah. And then yeah. of course they go and they're in Washington for six months. The, like half of the officers desert, you know, they, they just resign. A lot of guys desert and then they get shifted over to Cutler and Cutler is just such a hard ass, yeah. you know, and he takes yeah. what he did yeah. with the six Wisconsin and he's like, he whips him into shape. You know, he kind of looks like he looks a little bit like Bragg. If yeah. I had to compare it to somebody, yeah. if you look at Lysander Cutler, he kind of looks like Bragg a little bit. Like, a and everyone thinks that they they think, oh, this is a guy with military experience. He was he was a businessman in Wisconsin. He didn't have any military yeah. prior military experience. But the thing that is interesting about them is uh, Liberty Rifles did a uh, living history a couple of years ago, and he they had all of them in in dress hats. And yeah. like frock coats. Yeah. And I emailed Craig, Craig Schneider. And uh, cause I was asking him questions and I was like, by the way, Craig, where did that come from? Where did that little nugget about them being in, you know, dress hats and stuff. And he said it was in a firsthand account. The guy said that he, they had them all tricked out and everything. Yeah. And he said, there's no, there's no mention of the rest of the brigade being that way. I was like, well, that's Cutler because before given takes over the iron brigade, Cutler, makes a requisition for the six Wisconsin to have the hardy hats, yeah, the dress yeah. hats and all this kind of, and I think a lot of the other regiments did too. The second definitely had the, you know, the, the blue trousers, yeah. the dark blue trousers yeah. and everything. 
And I was like, yep, he wanted his guys to be disciplined. He's whipping this web regiment into shape. They're going to be my little homage to the sixth Wisconsin. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, they, they did the best they could uh, on day one. It wasn't, Which, uh, wasn't the, a great spot. The 147 story is really something. Yeah. And uh, it's really remarkable, their story, because, uh, you know, uh, Colonel Miller gets shot in the throat before yeah, he can give before the order. Before he can retreat. give the order. Yeah. And then I love uh, one of the first-hand accounts, I think it was in the Tribune book, is uh, 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 a guy remarks about how intense it was when the Mississippi Brigade is overwhelming and when they're retreating. They said some of these Mississippi guys are throwing camp hatchets at them. <laughs> And I can just imagine that, like they, like the way he describes the retreat is just so intense because they like feel them grabbing at them or throwing yeah. hatchets yeah. at them, and and then there's one account that um, I came across in one of the many newspaper articles is um, a guy in the 147 who disguised himself as a civilian for two days in Gettysburg. Uh, okay. Have you read that one? Uh-uh. No, I hadn't this heard that one. This is gold, and I put it in my book, <laughs> and uh, I can't wait to share this with everybody. But That's cool. Uh, it was a lengthy account, but like, and he doesn't name himself. He just puts Soldier 147 Elon. And and so the funny thing is, the sad thing is, um, uh, I'll try to make this short. <laughs> uh, he's retreating on the first day, and he gets hit in the lower leg, and he falls down, and he thinks, oh, my God, I'm shot. And he's in pain for a minute and he's thinking like, this is it. I'm going to get captured. And when he looks down, it was actually just a brick that had fallen off a wall. And so he wasn't shot. And so he was like, dang it. And like, by the time he got up to try to run again, he got captured, but he was just so mad. Like the whole time he was captured, he's like, <laughs> I could have run. Yeah. And, uh, but while he was there, um, he just kept pretending that he was shot in the leg. And so he walked with an extra limp on purpose and the, and the surgeon kind of told him, Hey, why don't you help me out? Like with the walking wounded, you yeah. know, you can help me uh, be a hospital steward. Uh, and maybe they won't capture you. Maybe they won't take you away if you're sure. working a hospital. But while he was out at a well collecting water, he sees a civilian uh, woman and she whispers up in him. Like, if you need anything, let me know. And he says, he like thinks quickly or like, uh, I think he thinks for a minute. He goes back to her and he says, Hey, meet me back out here at midnight with civilian and have some civilian clothes waiting for me. And then get me out of here somehow. And she's like, okay. And so <laughs> like, um, he bribes the guards with like whiskey from the hospital surgeon. And he goes back out to the well and he goes to the barn door and she's waiting for him and he runs in there. And then, like, she leads him through all these windows and crevices wow. over. And then they get into the upstairs of her house. And she has a whole civilian clothes laid out for him. And and uh, she she leaves out, like, a razor and shaving sets, too. And so he goes in this room. He instantly gets all his uniform off. And he starts shaving. He shaves himself completely. And then uh, he puts these civilian clothes on. Of course, they perfectly fit. Yeah. Thing. And he puts it on. And he was like... Like he, he looked in the mirror and he's like, I looked like a new man. I didn't know. <laughs> and so he walks downstairs. She leads him downstairs in the, in the uh, parlor and it's full of Confederate officers sitting at the dinner table, whatever. And they're all celebrating the victory of day one. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's the Louisiana Tigers. And uh, ah, it's Colonel, okay. I think it was Colonel uh, Penn of the 7th Louisiana, one of those Louisiana regiments. And uh, he's sitting at the table, and she introduces him as, this is my cousin. He's a preacher from Harrisburg or something. And and he just goes right into it. And uh, 
like it feels something out of like a movie or something yeah and, exactly. and so you hope these things are true oh yeah. yeah and uh and so he instantly gets into like a the conversation with the colonel and and uh talk about religion and whatnot and the colonel keeps cussing every other word and the colonel apologizes like i'm sorry preacher i'm sorry and, and uh <laughs> but he keeps the cover for two and a half days and uh so come july 4th uh when union soldiers come into town he quickly tries to find his regiment and uh he finds them and they're like well we thought you were dead or captured yeah or what? yeah and they're like what are you doing in the civilian club and he tells them that's story. amazing but then the sad <laughs> the funny thing is because her, you know, you know this. Uh, the Union Army was not well supplied at that time, and they were so far away from all their supplies. Like they did not get new uniforms and equipment for mm-hmm. like a couple of months, and so for the rest of the Gettysburg campaign, he had to stay in his civilian clothes. <laughs> so he marched in ranks yeah. and everything, and yeah. uh, they made a joke out of it. Where a lot of his buddies, when they were going through like towns in Maryland, they would shout out to the civilians to see, like, see, there's a Marylander who's willing to come. Yeah. Fight with us. <laughs> And uh, and so uh, it's funny. It's a funny book. And like I love coming across these. Stories. Like that's gold. That's an awesome, awesome story. Yeah, I love that. And uh, so there's another Cutler Brigade story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but no, I can't wait. Uh, I love finding all these accounts and hearing. So what my goal is for this Gettysburg project is to have everything in one place for each corps in the Union Army. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, like for me, like, you know, I have like 50 Gettysburg books on my shelf right here and I have to go in each one to find out, okay, what does this book say about the 147? What does this book say about the 147? But then I'm going to have a book where you're going to have a profile for each regiment and I could just flip through here and I could get a good uh, sampling mm-hmm. of all the different aspects of that for one unit. Uh, so I can't wait for that, but. But uh, do you have any parting thoughts, uh, comments tonight, Ryan, uh, after all the many things we talked about? <laughs> um, next time we talk, we're going to have to talk about movies. Yeah, Civil War movies. Civil War that's, movies, yeah. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. that's the Which other. we did talk uh, A little bit. Glory we, and, did, uh, we did talk Glory. Because uh, and... I, I do have to say, even now with some newer ones out, uh, Glory is still, to me, the best regimental movie. I think it. I think it. It might just be the best Civil War movie in general. Yeah, I mean, it's just. Oh, yeah. It's really good. Great story. Yes, there are historical inaccuracies, but if you want a thing that's going to provoke an interest, then that's a great movie to do it. Yeah. You know, and, and Gettysburg does okay too, but it wasn't meant to be like a feature film. It was meant to be a miniseries, and they kind of turned it into. Yeah. You know, yeah. Definitely yeah. better than. Uh, gods and generals <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> which um i still uh, i still loved it enough when it came out oh yeah i watch it still but i'm still gonna watch it it's still a civil war movie well it's like you know i won't talk too much about know, this yeah. we can save it for the next one but um go. the uh <laughs> you know people get upset about movies like braveheart yeah. Oh, it's so inaccurate. And, yeah, you know, yeah. And then like, oh, gods and generals. Well, they do a really good job of telling the history. What's the better movie? Yeah. What yeah. movie are you going to go back and watch and over enjoy and over, over and over again? Yeah. Yeah. It's Braveheart. Yeah. And I think even some of the cast members, of gods and generals, have gone back and said that what made Gettysburg yeah. better is because it's one subject, yep. one place, and gods and generals just packs in too much, mm-hmm. and it gets longer, and it's just. It's you know it's it's really only made for people who want to deep dive in history yeah. you know so I mean the moviegoer is not going to care, but I feel like Gettysburg 
there's people that get introduced to some more history yeah. for Gettysburg. Yeah, so. and and it's a it's a much more approachable story. Um, but like you know, how many people got into the Civil War because of gods and generals? Oh, there's probably some. Yes, yeah. not as yeah. much. How many people got really interested in medieval stuff and, and and what started this kind of thing about the the realistic battle scenes and led to gladiator and all these others pretty far yeah you can talk about how inaccurate it is but guess what it's a good movie when you <laughs> you know that's going to make you want to learn more and then yeah. when you learn about it, it's yeah. like oh well this was not right but here's the real history and this is really interesting too and it's like movies like that do much better jobs of getting the history to people even though they're inaccurate i think yeah. than a movie that's like you know he's got nine buttons yeah. on his coat yeah you know, that's yeah. perfect yeah it's like no, nobody cares nobody cares the producers definitely don't care well you know what um <laughs> i just thought of one uh good parting comment because um i did want to ask you this and i forgot um at the outset but you recently went to france yes and uh was it just france or did you go letter it was just france it was supposed to be malta and... for an archaeological trip and yeah. then we turned it just into france so you went to Normandy. Yes. You went to the D-Day battlefield. Mm -hmm. So my question, final question for you is, um, seeing these European battlefields and a, a World War battlefield, and, mm -hmm. and there's ancient battlefields over there, how would you compare something like that to a Civil War battlefield? Does it just seem different? Does it really, do you have some similarities there? What speaks to you for that? There, there are definitely similarities. Um, you know, driving into Carentan was that was cool. Knowing knowing the history, like Band of Brothers, and 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 you know, not even just Easy Company, but the Hundred and First and yeah. Falschmager yeah. and and everybody. That's my Easy Company show. Oh yeah, yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> um, driving in and seeing signs that say, you know. Saint Marie du Mont or Carentan. Yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah. I mean, it's cool, and and yeah, going to a Civil War battlefield is awesome, and maybe it's just the novelty of like, well, we live here. But seeing that and and it being like a worldwide phenomenon is really neat. Um, it's different because, you know, Normandy beaches. You know, going to Omaha Beach. I mean, people go there just to relax, you know, and, and some people do that at, at Gettysburg, you know, national parks, they want to go, you know, jog and ride bikes and stuff. But, um, it is, it is different. Um, but there are a lot of similar, I mean, there, there's a sense of hallowed ground that you can get anywhere, you know, it, it, as long as it's a battlefield, when you know what happened there, you know, walking, you know, taking my shoes off and walking on the sand, you know, at low tide or, or high tide actually. And, uh, you know, feeling the, the, the water and how cold it is even in, you know, cause we went, I think we were on the beach on May 31st. So we were a few days ahead of the yeah, anniversary. Yeah. So basically the same Close weather enough. conditions, Close you know, enough. um, that's cool. Uh, now we didn't go to any ancient battlefields, but, um, we went to some Roman ruins, Yeah, you know, and that's different, but I think you get a sense of history wherever you go. Um, I think somebody for me, who's like got a big interest in ancient history, there's a, I think there's a tangibility that you have with a war that happened 160 years ago or, or, you know, 80 years ago, as opposed to something that happened 2000 years ago, but there's still a connection that you can make, um, 
they do a really good job over there of the World War II stuff. And I yeah. think it's just an appreciation because so many veterans still come back. And there's a, and, you know, the culture with Saving Private Ryan and Band of Brothers and the Pacific trying to do it right and having that, re- realizing, hey, we need to preserve this as accurately as possible while they're still alive, you know, which, you know, kind of, and it happened in different ways with the civil war, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's, it's definitely special. It was a, it was a cool experience. Hopefully it's not once in a lifetime. I, I, we, we were talking yeah. ever since we've been back, we're like, when can we move to France? You know, yeah. We're going to move over there. We're going to live here. Yeah. We're not living in Paris, but yeah, we're going to live out here. And, <laughs> you know, cause it's another thing is like every one of those little towns that you see in the middle of the, the fields, they all have a church that looks like St. Paul's cathedral. And yeah. it's like, that's yeah. a Paris church. Yeah. It's not, a, you know, so yeah. Um, that's cool okay. too. But wow. yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely different, but spiritually the same, I guess you could say. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a good, that's a good wrap up there. Yeah. Like <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, I've, I've never been overseas. And so that would be something to see one day. And, uh, but yeah, that's a good encouragement to, to go out and, and see history and, yep. and uh, study about what happened in your local area, you know, like, uh, like here in Birmingham, not much happened, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but when you really, when you years, really deep dive, yeah. you can, you can find um, a lot of things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot out there. And so, well, thanks, guys. Uh, thank you, Ryan, for coming on. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, and uh, we'll have to do this a little more often. Yep. And uh, I look forward. Uh, I already have a lot of interviews uh, in the works. Uh, stay tuned for more content over the next couple months. Um, uh, maybe even some Antietam content coming up. But uh, yes. uh, but thank you all for listening. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, like and subscribe uh, to my pages. And uh, thanks again. You all have a good night.